0: Please stand. If you're able to stand, please stand. What I'm about to read. Are words that God breathed out. And they're necessary. For your life and godliness. Galatians 5 verse 21. Tell me. You who desire to be under the law. Do you not listen to the law? For it is written that Abraham had two sons, one by a slave woman and one by a free woman. But the son of the slave was born according to the flesh, while the son of the free woman was born through promise. Now, this may be interpreted allegorically. These women are two covenants. One is from But what does the scripture say? Cast out the slave woman and her son. For the son of the slave woman shall not inherit with the son of the free woman. So, brothers, we are not children of the slave, but of the free woman. You may be seated. This is a section of the book of Galatians that's explaining salvation for Christians in terms of the family. Last week, we saw that Paul explained himself as a minister of the gospel, as a mother in the family. What he was trying to communicate is that his teaching and te- teaching like his forms Christ in us, just as a baby is formed in A mother's womb. Well, today, Paul is talking about a different mother in the family of God. He talks about the mother in the family of God to answer this question in verse 21. To anyone out there who would desire to live under the law, to to find life by your obedience. To you out there, Do you not listen to the law? And he's going to then he then tells this explanation from the law or the Old Testament of how salvation works. And it's a tale of two mothers. These are two covenants is the way that he puts it in the passage or two different ways for people to try to become a child of God. There are two options out there for them and there are two options out there for us Paul is using this passage to encourage us to check which way are we trying to get into the house of God He says very clearly you cannot get into the family without the right mother Who your mother is matters. That's the title of the sermon. Who your mother is matters. And here's the point he's going to make. If grace is your mother, God is your father. If grace is your mother, then, then God is your father. Grace is that the privileges you have were unearned by you. If that is the way you want to get into the family of God, then be encouraged because God is your father. He makes this point in three sections. First of all, verses 21 through 23, who your mother is matters. Because... There is one mother who conceives by works, and there's another mother who conceives by the word. So, which one is your mother? Were you conceived by works or by the word? Look again at verse 21. You who desire to be under the law, do you not listen to the law? For it is written that Abraham had two sons, one by a slave woman and one by a free woman. But the son of the slave was born, here's one way, according to the flesh, while the son of the free woman was born another way, conceived through promise. Abraham had two sons. That's why we read from Genesis 17 earlier to to remind us of this, this idea that He had two sons by two different mothers. And those two different mothers conceived their sons differently. So one of the sons, Ishmael, was conceived by human works. That's why it says according to the flesh, according to the abilities of the flesh, according to the way that all children in this room were conceived. But when God promised to Abraham, you're going to have a son, the problem was, and he knew this very well, that Sarah, his wife, was barren, unable to conceive. In other words, it was impossible. This is really important. It was impossible for Sarah to get pregnant by her husband Abraham, and that was proven across decades of marriage. And so they got a son a different way. Abraham used a different womb. So Ishmael was conceived by works. See, there's another son of Abraham, who was conceived after that by God's word. He was conceived by God's word. He was, it says here, born through a promise, a word that was spoken this time next year. Your wife, Sarah, will have a son. And Abraham said, can't you build your people from Ishmael? One who was born to Hagar, the slave woman, and God said, No. The mother in God's family matters. No, I won't build my people through Ishmael. Sarah is going to have a son. God promises. And his promise is what conceives the child. Opens a womb that could not carry a child. The word does it. And, beloved, I want you, and God wants you, to be comforted and encouraged. That the model mother was not fertile. This is the point that he is making. How the first child was conceived matters. And do you not listen to the law? Were you not paying attention? I mean, I know that this is, this is a, a, you know, early in your Bible reading and maybe you're just trying to get past Genesis 17 or whatever. But you need to listen very closely because how the first child is conceived matters. It's, it sets the pattern for how every child is going to come into God's family. So God says, no way am I starting with Ishmael. And that should comfort you. Because if Ishmael were the model. Then you might have a reason to think. That your relationship. With God. Is in your hands. Who your mother is matters. So God says, you shall name him Isaac. Which means he laughs. Because that's what Abraham did. He laughed. Okay. <laughs> you want to laugh? Name him, he laughs. He's coming. And when you see him, call him Isaac. Why? would Abraham laugh? Seems disrespectful. Well, let me let me try to help you to understand where he's coming from. I'm going to give you a different story. One of my mentors had uh, been preaching for decades. And after he'd been preaching that long, he, he had established a pattern. He preached fifty five minute sermons. Just where he landed. That's where he always That's how long his sermons always were. Well when COVID first hit and, and we were discouraged from meeting too long together, his elders came together and said, Well can you start preaching twenty five minute sermons? And he laughed. That's a knee slapper. I'm just in preacher terms, that's a knee slapper. Or or in the terms of of Abraham, he fell on his face. He Isaaced. He laughed. That's That's what he did. But then he said to his elders, you might as well tell me to sprout wings and fly. You understand? What he's saying and what Abraham is saying is I have tried, and I've tried, and I've tried. I cannot do that. We can learn how we get saved if we'll just listen carefully to this story. I think about as a parent how many times we say our children's names in a day. <laughs> there's lots. I mean, we homeschool, you know what I'm saying? Like, there's no break at it at all. And Abraham, whenever this promised child is born and then grows up, how many times he would say, he laughs. He laughs. Isaac. He would have had this reminder so many times, just looking at the child who's saying his name. Here it is. One word from God accomplishes more than a lifetime of our works. One word. I've done I've tried and I've tried. I've I've worked at this all for decades now. I'm a hundred years old. One word from God, beloved, accomplishes more than a lifetime of your works. When you think about your works if you, if, you, if you want to be in the family of God, if you are in the family of God, and you look at your how well you've done keeping God's commands, there are certain things you should feel. I think it is appropriate for us to feel sad. John Owen said, repentance is a heartfelt feeling of failure for all the ways we've fallen short. You should feel sad for falling short. That's not all you should feel. Laughter might be appropriate. Joy might be appropriate. When I come face to face with my weakness and inability. Laugh because God has done this in spite of me. He has really done it. He has given us the joy of knowing him. Redeemer Church. There are teachers out there who want you to focus on your ability to do good. Who want to put all the responsibility on your shoulders before God. Don't forget, grace is our mother. We are not God's children because we deserve it. He loves us. Because he is gracious. He is kind to failures. If grace is your mother. God is your father. But then there's a a second point that he makes in verses 24 through 27. As he's saying, look, who your mother is matters. Not, Not just in how you were conceived, but then what happens after you were born. Point number two is Were you born for slavery or born for freedom? I need you to, with the help of God, stay with me because this is complex. Paul uses the language of allegory. He tells the story. If you want to understand salvation, you have to understand a story about a fertile slave and a barren Sarah. It's an allegory, which means that the truth is hidden in it. Who your mother is matters. And Hagar is one option. But understand that her sons are born like her into slavery. Says that in verses 24 and 25, and, and he says, this is allegory. Well, what's hidden, the truth that's hidden in that is this idea. And he starts explaining, that mother is Mount Sinai. That is a way that you can try to get to God. So many people try to see how they're doing keeping the Ten Commandments or how they're doing obeying God. And what he's saying is, if the mother you are counting on to get you into God's family is your ability to obey God. You will be a slave. That's what he's saying. You will be a slave because the law is a slave driver. There's no end to it. You have to keep all of it all the time like a slave driver. Your works are never done, never satisfied. And so he says, Sinai, that mother, that's where the Ten Commandments were given. That's why he says it this way. If you try to get to God that way, you will be miserable. You'll be miserable like a slave. But then he says, there's another mother. And grace will deliver joy. Our mother is free, Paul says in verses 26 and 27. He's saying, you who get in through grace are not in bondage. Now, I want you to pay close attention to what he's saying here. Notice the quotes in verse 27. He's reaching back in his Bible to Isaiah 54, and he says this in verse 27 to explain salvation. It is written. Have you not listened? It's written down. Don't you listen. Here it is Rejoice, O barren one who does not bear. Break forth and cry aloud, you who are not in labor, for the children of the desolate one will be more than those of the one who has a husband. This is so amazing. I want you to follow me through this. Okay, verse 27, there's a command. You see? The command. What this woman is to do, what this barren woman is to do is what? To cry aloud. as if she is in labor. That's what women do in labor, cry aloud. And he says to the barren woman who is not bearing a child to cry aloud as if she is in labor. If you will listen carefully, you've got to ask, how is this command not cruel? If you understand barrenness, if you understand what women who want children experience when they are barren, commanding them to rejoice as if she does have the one thing that she wants most but does not have. Rejoice. The woman is desolate, it says in verse Twenty-seven. That means she has no children at all, and it's not also. That's not all it says. Look at verse twenty-seven. She has no husband. You see that? In other words, she has no possibility of getting the one thing she wants most. It's allegory to say this is how God brings. Us into his family through a mother of grace. Through a mother who understands that children are a gift directly from God. And you can only understand it from the perspective of the woman. Who doesn't even have the one thing she needs. To get the one thing she wants. To get a child, you got to have a man. She didn't have one. Here's the point. God's promise, you shall. The desolate woman shall. She will have more children than the one who has a husband. God's promise is more powerful, more productive than whatever it is the husband brings to the situation. God's promises, God promises here to give what we cannot possibly get. That's the point. Grace is our mother. I want you to listen to the law, which he even explains is is the book of Isaiah. Because if you listen to the law, all of the Old Testament, you will hear gospel if you're listening carefully all the way back to Genesis chapter 3, whenever the first woman when sin came into the world, what was she promised? She was promised that conceiving a child will be painful. She was also promised but one of your sons is going to save you from sin. One of your sons is going to save you from death. I want to encourage you that if you're going to understand the gospel, if you're going to try to help others to understand the gospel, you need to maybe consider, start using the terms of barren womb. A barren womb. Because throughout the book of Genesis, from that point on, throughout the whole Bible, The Savior comes from a barren womb. And I think this is completely on purpose. He says to the first woman, it will be really hard for you to have a child. And then he comes to Sarah, who is barren. And then Isaac, the promised son, has to pray to God because he marries a woman who has, guess what? A barren womb. And then what about Jacob? And his wife, a barren womb. This point is being made over and over again. If you want to understand how God is going to save his people, look in the womb of a barren woman. And So that's why we hear in Matthew chapter 1, Behold, the virgin shall conceive. The woman who doesn't have a husband, the woman who cannot possibly conceive, will bear a son and you shall call his name Emmanuel. Because the Savior comes from a barren womb. God with us. A different kind of son, obviously. That's why this 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 woman is a little different than the barren woman. She is a virgin. Because God would spare this son from inheriting our sinful nature. And yet he is fully human. Now, why would he do this? Why? Would the Savior be in a barren womb? And why would the Savior specifically be born of a virgin? Because God cannot make us children. Unless our debt. For breaking his law is paid. And so that there has to be a son who is a savior who is not a sinner. And wouldn't you know it, that's explained right before Isaiah 54. The passage that Paul reaches for, Isaiah 54 verse 1, right before that, this son was promised. Surely he has borne our griefs. And carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken. Smitten by God. Punished by God. Afflicted by God. He was. Afflicted by God. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed. Jesus Christ. This baby born of a virgin. Grew up. Lived a sinless life. And then on a cross was crushed. Crushed by God and by man, for our iniquities. And upon him was the punishment that brought us peace. We all have like sheep gone astray. We've turned every one of us to our own way, and the Lord laid on him the iniquity of you and me. And right after saying that, he says, rejoice, O barren. The barren woman can sing because the sinless servant has bled. Beloved, we can sing because the sinless servant bled for us. There is a work that gets us into God's family. It's just not our work. It is the work of God's Son. His works, His obedience, His death for our disobedience, his resurrection, because he's still alive. To save sinners. So verse 27, when he gives this command that at first, if we're paying any attention at all, we'll say, well, that's cruel. Until you think about who's given the command. You can keep the command if you trust in the promise. You can rejoice if you're barren. If God is saying, you're not going to stay bare. In church, who your mother is matters. Because you will, how you try to get into God's family will either lead you to slavery or freedom. The question for us all is, do I believe that the one who is making this promise is able to keep it? Is God able to save me even though my works cannot do it? I hope you all will say yes. I hope you will believe that the son who was promised to die for the works of sinners died and is not dead. And therefore we can be saved. Let me say something to you. You cannot come into God's family until you understand that your works and your life are useless. That your abilities are, have no power to get you in. But if you come to that place and you want in and you trust in the son, then you're in. He will save you and he will keep you. If grace is your mother, then God is your father. But then we have a third point. In verses 28 through 31. A third point. Verses 28 through 31. Who your mother is matters. Not only for how you're conceived. What happens after you're born. But then how you live. Here it says. Who your ma- mother is matters. Because you will either live as outcast. Or you will live as heirs. Paul brings us now to Genesis 21. He's wanting us to listen again and again to God's word. And so he brings us to Genesis 21. And it's baby Isaac's weaning party. He's being weaned. And so Abraham and Sarah and Isaac are all celebrating this. Sarah is delirious with joy. And it says, the Lord has given me Isaac. The Lord has given me laughter. And right after that, Ishmael, the son of the slave, laughed. And just so you're clear, and I do encourage you to read this passage later today, Genesis 21. Just so you're clear, whenever Ishmael's laughing, it's not a, I'm laughing with you, Sarah. Auntie, I'm laughing with you. Don't be be offended. This is a laughing at you, and she knows it. He's laughing at her. And that's when she says to her husband what we read in verse 30. When he laughs at her, she says to Abraham, cast out the slave woman and her son. For the son of the slave woman shall not inherit with the son of the free woman. That translation is kick her to the curb. Kick him to the curb. Cast him out of the house. He has no place in this this family anymore. And beloved, you got to understand that may have been hard for Abraham to do, but God said, do what Sarah says. God said, My family will not be built on Ishmael. My family will be built on Isaac. Cast him out. Now, there are two important lessons for us here. This is an interesting passage. It's it's what Paul looks to to teach us what the truth is about our salvation. And he he wants us to know two things from that weaning party and what happened. First of all, listen, Workers have never been welcome in the house of God. And that point is is plain because the first son born to Abraham was not welcome. To make the point, workers have never been welcome into God's family. Hagar gave Abraham a son. And that boy was never God's child. Now, you know, people in your life. Whether they say this common phrase or not, you have people in your life. Who teach. God helps those who help themselves. even if you can't name someone that you talk to, if you look close enough to your own heart, you will be tempted. Even believers are tempted to sometimes think, my acceptance is somehow, it's based upon how well I'm doing. That God helps those who help themselves. I want you to listen to the law. Listen to what God actually says. And I don't mean this to be disrespectful. God helps those who help themselves. He does. But he helps them to get out of his house for good. That was Hagar, and that was Ishmael. Cast them out for good. Now, if that sounds harsh to you, listen closely to what is said. He persecuted. That's what it says right there. Do you see that in God's word? The one who was cast out was persecuting, punishing, trying to. He was proud. And God will have none of that in his home. He's got to go. And so this point comes, this is a serious threat to anyone who would claim the name of Christ but also want to live under the law, also want to hold God to giving us something because of how good we are. He's saying if you count on your flesh, you will be cast out of the family. So beloved, don't do it. What we should do is what Abraham did to her and him. What we should do with our self-reliance, every time it creeps up in our hearts, every time we're, we're swayed about whether we're accepted by God because of what we do, we should kick it to the curb. Get out. You have no place. You're not welcome. But what this passage also teaches us is something else. And it's really encouraging. Look again in verse 26. Where Paul says. The Jerusalem above is a mother who is free and she is our mother. Look at verse 28. You brothers are like Isaac. You are children of promise. And then look at how the passage ends. So brothers, this is his conclusion. We are not children of the slave. We are not those who get kicked out. We are children of the free woman. In other words, if grace is your mother, then God is your father. Will always be your father. You'll never get kicked out. I, as a pastor, have the privilege of having the front row seat of witnessing the members of this church depend upon Christ and, and not depend upon ourselves. I want you to hear me say, live as an heir and not as an outcast. Hear me say to this church, you are like Isaac, not Ishmael. In other words, God himself has promised to take you out of a world full of sinners and and to make you his own. And beloved, I want you to remember, once God makes a promise, it's done. And no one can take you out. That heaven is your home. That you belong to God. If grace is your mother, God is your father. Oh God, we pray that you would take this word, cause us to believe it. Your word is powerful. Your promises are true. So cause us to believe it. And may we cast out every reliance upon ourselves, and then count on the work of Jesus Christ for us. That he brings us into your family. And all who trust in him will never be put out. We thank you and pray that we would rejoice. In Jesus' name, amen.